Music fuck shit. Nigga. Yo, 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 yo! What it did do? Is you or is you? Welcome back to yet another episode of Music Fuck Shit. I am Tonina. I'm Stephanie Darcy. What does "is you or is you" mean? Um, it's a Wayne lyric from my favorite song on his mixtape, uh... "Dick Pleaser." So we were not here last week because Hefferny. Can we talk about it on the pod or no? Yeah, I think that's a fair. Um, I probably could. I just don't like. Well, you don't have to say it doesn't matter when it's coming out. Um, just... No, I was I was working a session and Quincy Jones and Herbie Hancock were there, yeah. which means we will never talk about them. And we cannot. Yeah, we can never talk about those two. Did they touch my soul? Yes. It was fun. She it was heard really... some great stories, which yeah. we will never be able to share. But we are back this week and we will continue to be on schedule. But as you can tell, we are back with another black king who i bet these guys know a thing or two about (laughs) okay literally his name is james brown did you listen to a lot of james brown growing up uh what was it (laughs) down get under that's all i got and what's funny is my mom is a james brown stan an apologist (laughs) james brown apologist not really but that's just funny but she's a stan for real um, all right, y'all. So let's just get right into it. Y'all know what the scandals are. James Brown, known as the Godfather of Soul, the hardest working man in show business. Really? Yes. That was one of his titles. Dude, I will never have that title. You know what I mean? Girl, I, I take, need to take a nap. I know, dude. I like... I, take, I don't know. I, I get kind of triggered when people are like, oh my God, the work ethic. And I'm like, why do we have to work so hard? No, but it's like, you can, can do that shit. Work? Don't project it onto me. No, like, that's fine. But it's like, can't I give... Like, can't I just give 80%? Like, what's wrong with 80 no, seriously. And also, I need to take a nap. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, he incorporated various music styles into his music. Soul, funk, R&B, all the above. Numerous hit songs. Please, please, please. I got you. Feel good. Papa's got a brand new bag. Mm. Okay? You know what it was. He was dancing on stage like a like a hoochie mama. What's interesting, what I know about him is, like, he abused women and didn't... Oh, allow, that is interesting. <laughs> and didn't allow drugs in his band. Did not. Did not. Yeah, which is very interesting, which we'll get into later on. So, yeah, let's go to the early years. He was born in 1933 in South Carolina. Uh, He grew up very, very poor in a one-room shack. Jesus. And when he was born, he was mistaken as a stillborn by midwives. What? Which I'm like, how? How? I guess he didn't cry or some shit. I don't fucking know. He was like... Yeah. But, yeah, he was raised by his aunt... And he grew up in the segregated South, faced poverty and challenges, even being sent home from school for insufficient clothing. So Wait, super, that's fucked and so super, sad. Super, super sad. Like, how do you define that? That's so sad. I know, dude. Probably no shoes or anything. No! Jane. He definitely doesn't have sh- Yeah, I mean. Anyway, he earned money as a child picking cotton and shining shoes, which a lot of my family earn money picking cotton too um so that was, a, that was like a popular thing back in the day in the south it was like a you know line of work it was, uh, <laughs> it was a business um so yeah because of his you know growing up in poverty and shit he would steal he would be you know fighting he would be you know but he did develop musical skills and loved gospel music and maybe that got him out of it but i don't know he got his first taste of like true singing and like performing in church mm. 
and he observed and like would imitate preachers and really admired their stage presence. He also participated in local competitions. Cool. <laughs> and shit. But yeah, so he was also influenced by jazz and all that shit. And like, so moving on to his teen years, he got arrested. Oh. what? Oh. He was arrested at the age of 15 for breaking into cars with some of his friends. Bad boy. I know. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> he received a sentence of eight to 16 years in jail. Are you f- fucking serious? But due to good behavior, he was released after three years. Oh, so, damn, Yeah, dude. dude, that's like... That's heavy fucked, as hell. Right, from for breaking into fucking cars. Doesn't even... Back then... So ridiculous. Crazy. Um, I'm like, you can't even get a rapist in jail for that long. <laughs> no, no, seriously. <laughs> don't let it... Don't let, I mean, we'll, we'll get to that. But he was paroled into... Coa, Georgia in 1952 and his connections made in jail played a role in his future success so I guess he got some homies together and like you know got out. While in prison he formed a gospel group called the Swannies with his friend Johnny Terry they transitioned into the popular 50s like doo-wop sound and changed our name to the famous flames which sounds so gay which sounds very cool cool yeah the the famous famous flames it sounds like you know what it sounds like like what you would call your soccer team yeah if you had like the red jersey color like you gotta do f and f or something yeah so the famous flames caught the attention of little richard and his manager and they recorded a demo and traveled to cincinnati ohio where they recorded the hit song please 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 where they sold three million copies. Like I said, I see a pattern, and it's different. I know back in the day, because music, the music business worked differently. But like, isn't it also their first hit, their first songs ever recorded, or first demo, or for first whatever gets so fucking popular mm. and sells really quick. I think it's interesting how. Um, oh, I know this interesting fact about song titles back then that I forget. There's some, something about parentheses that I wanted to bring up. Okay, well, it's not that interesting. I, there's another fact with, that has to do with, like, publishing and, like, parentheses and, like, why pe- there used to be a lot of, like, blah, 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 and then in parentheses, like, hey, yeah, it had to right. do with, like, no one could have the exact same title song or some shit. Right. I'm butchering that, so don't don't trust that. But it is interesting how song titles used to be longer and weirder because you didn't have to worry about, like, typing them in somewhere. And that's right, how you exactly. Them. It's weird. So basically, yeah, he popped off and he eventually went solo and was now known as James Brown and he really defined funk music but that's not what we're here to talk about let's get to the scandals because there are many scandals here we go involving James buckle up buckle up now here's here's where we're getting into a good trigger warning oh yeah I, I feel like just read the disclaimer yeah but trigger warning for those yeah trigger warning so basically I was so triggered during our Kelly Jesus I, was so, I know I was so mad I know Robert. Oh my God, I have to show you this hilarious video of Robert. Oh my God. Singing his musical. So he has a long history of violence against women. Cool. Okay. And it's just so, so much. This is a lot. So book. <laughs> the wife of one of his bandmates told Rolling Stone that in the 70s, he beat his then wife, Deidre. You mean Deirdre? Deidre? Deidre? How do you say it? How is it spelled? D-I-E-D-R-E. You're sure it's not Deirdre? No. Okay. Was she white? Or maybe shit. I don't fucking know. Whatever. He was described as a control freak, and those around him were always scared of him. 
He insisted on being called Mr. Brown. He was jealous and possessive, setting a curfew for his wives to be home by sundown. Hmm, weirdo. Yeah, his ex-wife, Tommy Ray, shared that he demanded obedience from everyone, including her, and once fined her $50 for running on stage late for a curtain call, which I don't think is that bad, but... I mean, 50... Yeah, whatever. Whatever. I know, but it's like, if you're going to be late, I'll dock your pay. Yeah. She called 911 after James shoved her to the floor and threatened to murder her while waving a chair. That's this so is like, scary. This is like when we were alive, too. Like, this is like his fourth wife. So this is like uh, in the 2000s. Dude. Yeah. And what's interesting is he said that I would never hurt my wife. But plot twist is he never considered Tommy Ray to be his wife, which was really interesting. I don't know if they were legally married or not. So he would say that in court. I, I would never hurt my wife. Mm. When they were discussing remarrying. So I guess they separated or whatever. A part of their agreement to get remarried is that Tommy never called 911 again. <laughs> that was like literally in their prenup contract. That is so contract. disgusting and yeah. weird. But they never went through with the remarriage. She said that he beat her constantly. Ugh. Yeah. So his daughter wrote a book and she's quoted saying she saw James beat up her mother and her stepmom, Deidre, in the face until she bled profusely. That is Okay, so that is so bad. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, he's high, he's that's he's no, really disgusting. He's no also, I want to know how tall he is because he doesn't. I mean, he's giving. Dude, he's giving five three. Beat up a woman. Girl, yeah. Well, not that there is a difference, but like, come on, like, I think there's a difference between like slapping a woman in the face and beating them till they bleed. I mean, they're both. Fu- they're I mean, both well, absolute, yeah. But I'm. But that's like that's how I registered it. Like, oh, he's like hits his wife. Like, no, yeah. Wow. Not that. I didn't know it was like that. That's no, yeah. Not, he like, that's deranged. Of course. And you're sick. All the motherfuckers was like that. Yes, dude. You're he was sick. Five, six. <laughs> yes. Us, we're disgusting. We're like, if you're at least <laughs> be tall. No. No, dead ass, though, for real. How tall was she? I don't know, but. Dude, again, just like beating a woman is like, just like, I find it weird, honestly. I think it's weird. Yeah. I think it's really weird. He denied that it was ever abuse. He denied that he ever abused any of his right. daughters or, or of his family members and um, wives. What is the like typical? Is it like I feel bad or is it like just denial that they do it? Just I don't do it. <laughs> um, sure. This is where like some sexual assault comes in. In 2007, the state of Illinois changed their laws to allow survivors to sue their attackers past the statute of limitations if their survivor was intimidated and manipulated. The inspiration behind that law was a woman named Jacqueline Hollander who sued James Brown in 2005, but was past the statute of limitations. Damn. She remained silent, saying that she feared for her life. Jacqueline and James Brown met when she was 13. I think he was like much older, okay? Mm. Okay? I think he was much older. Mm. But they became friends and recorded music together. The incident she described was him insisting her to join him for a car ride okay she got in the car he was armed with a shotgun and seemingly high and he became more and more erratic as the drive went on he drove her into the woods allegedly and sexually assaulted her at gunpoint allegedly and afterwards he threatened her and her family mm-hmm. so this is what made her silent throughout all these years because she was terrified of upsetting him and she continued to collaborate with him. She was literally so fearful. She was like, if I turn down any recording opportunity with him or like any writing session or any hangout, like he could kill me and my family. It's so crazy how like victims get trapped like that. 
And then it creates like the Stockholm Syndrome. She told an author, Stanley Booth, who was doing a biography on James about the encounter, but he made it sound like it was consensual. So she sued him for defamation, but she lost. Mm. His other wife, we're going like in reverse chronological order. His, I think this was his third wife, Adrian Brown. Yeah. Adrian Brown was his third wife. She was known for leaping to his defense throughout all the allegations of sexual assault, of hurting women physically. That was the role that she played, even though she would constantly be beaten and abused. And in 1988, police were called to the Brown residence for the second time in four days after James Brown allegedly bludgeoned her with a pipe and fired a rifle at her. That's pretty bad, man. You know, it's, it's pretty bad, I would say. You know, as far as... Yeah, that's just a pipe, dude. Like, How about we stick to like, your hands if we're gonna do if we're gonna pick a way to abuse somebody? Let's that's stick, where it's just let's like just stick so, to your. It feels so like bitch made. How do you deny that? It's bitch made as fuck. It's like you're gonna use a gun. Oh, okay, <laughs> no, but that's what I'm saying. It is a factor. It's like fight me with your hands. Don't use a gun. That's such like that's so lame. In a pipe, violence is so weird, dude. It's just weird. It's just I know I sound I just I'm like. Also, you know what I was thinking about while you were talking about the marriages and how like nowadays we have there's it's less expected that you get married. Like that's not like yeah, it kind of is, but like it isn't as right. weird if you just don't get married. Mm-hmm. I feel like and obviously as like women have gotten more power and uh, access to shit, it helps them not be in abusive relationships because then they're not of like course. dependent. They're not dependent, but controlled. it also makes it so like these fucking losers hopefully aren't like because i rem- i'm imagining he probably cheated on all these women <laughs> yeah. uh and it's like i feel like back then it's like and maybe still now it's like yeah i need to have a wife because like that's what you do you just like have a wife where it's like no like don't have these people in your life yeah. you know i mean obviously it's like he wouldn't, probably doesn't respect any of the women but like and at least we it's not like these people are getting trapped yeah like, i feel like that stuff is Hopefully, going to be less common as time goes on. Yeah, I mean, I know it's you, more complicated. Now we're encouraged you not stay in toxic relationships or even be in toxic relationships. We, yeah, like you said, you can be self sufficient. And men not... can't be just doing that, dude. What? Yeah, she was constantly beaten, abused. Right. Well, he never went to prison for that incident or any of the incidents with her specifically. But he did um, go for robbing a car. <laughs> I know, right? The car is more valuable. The items in the car are more valuable, and the car is more valuable than a woman. <laughs> so, if there's anything you're going to take away from this episode, That's it's that. It. So, the reason why he never went to prison, even though there were so many people who believed her account, like, people believed her. Yeah. You know, I don't even know what that meant. Like She's, like, has, meant. like, ten black eyes. She's like, yeah, you did beat me. And it's like, yeah. No, yeah. For but sure. the reason was that there was no physical evidence. Yeah. Adrian's close friend was Jacqueline Hollander, the girl who he allegedly sexually assaulted mm-hmm. and met when he, uh, she was 13. Mm-hmm. Adrian told Jacqueline that she was being threatened. And I mean, they were both being threatened. But how he got out of this, though, actually, he paid cops, he paid them off, and he paid other people to do dirty work for him. Mm-hmm. Right? So he like had them all in his back pocket. He was such a influential yeah. person in society and the music world he's a fucking celebrity so he's gonna get away with it so this is what's crazy this is what like sent me adrian his third wife was planning on divorcing him and prosecuting him for domestic violence but she died while getting cosmetic surgery supposedly from an accidental overdose from the doctors but a police informant 
claimed that the doctor confessed to killing Adrian to keep her quiet about the abuse. Mm. But the notes went quiet for 10 years. So I guess like he wrote it down somewhere. Hmm. I think the doctor wrote down like he killed her or like that allegedly. That what? He, yes, dude. Or he was like paid off to kill her from one of his henchmen. The or, doctor like, was. Yeah. Oh, or like the nurse. That's gnarly, bro. Or like, you know, like. He wrote it? Yeah. I mean, it says here that the doctor confessed to killing Adrian to keep her quiet. But the oh, notes went quiet for 20 years. That's disgusting. That's crazy. So potential murder involved. His kids were scared as fuck, you know, of him. His daughter, Yama Brown, wrote in her book, Cold Sweat, My Father James Brown and Me, described being terrified of him. He would raise his voice at her and she witnessed his rage as a child and his substance abuse. Dude. Which I, I want to know more about. Being scared of somebody in your family in that way as a child is like so stressful. It's just so stressful because you just have no control. You're so defenseless. Defenseless. And it's like bracing for impact. Like all the time. Unpredictability. It's yeah. And what's sad is that all these feelings of hatred towards her dad then turned on her mom, which is so normal in like abusive households. You know, she questioned her mother's ability to protect her. And yeah, she's like, how protect me if you can't even stand up for your fucking self? Um, mm. And then she like went on to marrying, I think some fucking football player who like also abused her huh. and shit <laughs> she said her Neat. childhood trauma that she endured caused her to make bad choices and you know her relationships and shit cool which is fucked and sad and sad but something positive he did do was calm down people during mlk's assassination in what way i'll get to it well i'll get to it he was scheduled to perform at boston garden on april 5th 1968 which was the day after 9-11? Yep. Woo! When, <laughs> I didn't even, I didn't even, I just pulled that out of my ass. I know, that's funny. Like completely, like I was, like I was just like day out, like I feel like, like I don't even know what timeline we're talking about and I was just like, uh, 9-11, you know? I said April 4th, 1968. Oh, so I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah, I thought you were joking. I mean, yeah. April 5th, 1968. Hold on. What day after, what happened? Did JFK die? What happened? We were talking about MLK. MLK got the day it before the concert Martin Luther King was assassinated got right? it got on it April got 4th it. 1968 leading to riots in other cities and all around the fucking country obviously Boston officials were concerned with violence and looting dude white people kind of love MLK of course because he's like a pacifist peaceful yeah yeah that again they fucking hate the other Max. dudes the other dude please <laughs> so yeah the mayor of the city at the time, Kevin White, believed that allowing James Brown to perform would help prevent unrest. So I guess they went on with the fucking concert and it was televised locally to encourage residents to stay indoors and watch the show rather than going outside. Towards the end of the concert, Brown had to calm down overly excited fans and deal with the presence of police ready to remove them from the stage. Brown diffused tensions by interacting and dancing with the fans, then admonished them for their actions. He urged them to show respect to themselves, him, and their race. Eye roll. The fans listened to his words, allowing him to complete his performance. While there was some unrest in the Boston streets, it was not as severe as predicted by city officials. I don't know how much he had to do with that, but... Hmm. You know what I mean? Hmm. Fall off and IRS issues. The nigga fell off, okay? Mm-hmm. So, like, in the 50s and 60s and shit, like, he was so booked, and he would perform, like, six nights a week. 
Mm. Like the hardest working man in show business mm. was because he was just booked and busy. Damn. Also, I don't even like know like where he formed. I know he would like go on tour and obviously. Like, <laughs> I was about play, to be like, like it's... where are you, are you playing the same show every night in the same? I don't know. I was about to be like, so where did he find the time to beat the women? <laughs> oh, dead ass! That killed me from the R. Kelly documentary. <laughs> so you have time to be cheating? <laughs> come, come on, abuse beat me. me. <laughs> So, yeah, he would perform six nights a week. Concert goers were always captivated by his energy and all that shit. But in the 70s, he faced financial problems and struggled to remain relevant during the disco era. His band walked out on him due to financial disputes. Oop. I guess he wasn't paying them in time, too. Yeah, his band dissolved due to money disputes and Bootsy Collins' use of LSD. Because, yeah, Bootsy Collins was his bass player during that time. Yeah. And... James was like no drugs in the band, which is really interesting because he himself had. Did he drink? He had substance abuse issues himself. Well, I guess like I mean it makes sense too because it's like you're at work. So. Yeah, literally. He lost a huge portion of his black audience too, for endorsing Richard Nixon, huh. who is was a Republican. Whoa! And, and that decision led a lot of people to boycott his performances, hmm. and it cost him a big portion of his black audience and a lot of money his record sales and concerts in the u.s were reaching a lull in the 70s he failed to land a number one r&b single that year mm. and why he was facing problems with the irs was because he hadn't paid upward to 4.5 million dollars in taxes five years earlier the irs had claimed he owed nearly two million. Oh, also his what was really sad is his son died in a car crash at what age I didn't say how old he was, but he had hella kids, though. So let's talk about when he actually got locked up. He got locked up on, or he became an inmate at the State Park Correctional Institute in South Carolina in 1988. Why he got locked up, may you ask? He went to an insurance seminar in Augusta, Georgia, and was brandishing a weapon, a shotgun, and a pistol, and ordered attendees to leave. I have no idea why. We don't know why, but it's mm. giving high on crack. <laughs> I don't know if that was his drug or choice, but that's what it's giving. This action is giving. He fled the scene in his truck, leading police to chase him into South Carolina and back into Georgia. After a pursuit, officers shot out three of the truck's tires and Brown stopped six miles later. Brown's then wife claimed he was medicated and not in the right state of mind. Hmm. Prior to this incident, Brown had already faced charges of carrying a pistol and drug possession earlier that year. Again, I don't know what drug. I need to find that out. As a result of the insurance seminar, he was charged with aggravated assault and failing to stop for police officers. And when he went to prison, he served three years of a six and a half year sentence. And then he celebrated his release by going on tour. Damn, so he really was in prison a lot. Yeah. And then he had a resurgence. He had a career comeback after appearing in the 1980 film The Blues Brothers alongside mm. with John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd. Cool. His music was also featured in Rocky IV, and he was among one of the first singers to be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. 1998, he goes into rehab for painkiller treatment. Hmm. Shortly after he was arrested less than a week later for marijuana possession and unlawful use of a firearm. So, like, that's his thing. Mm -hmm. Just, like, <laughs> like, getting high and, like, brandishing Having a, a gun, yeah. I guess he started taking prescription painkillers due to a back injury, 
sustained during a performance in Florida. Deputies served him probate papers discovering firearms, spent gun shells, and a small amount of marijuana. Mm. He was sentenced to a 90-day drug rehabilitation program following another car chase. So, like, car chases, brandishing the weapons. Yeah. And drugs. That's his, like, that's his real thing. And, like, hitting women. Um, Actually, it's technically bludgeoning them. Yes. Yes, of course, yes. (laughs) Like, it literally is, like, beyond hitting. And I don't understand this, but in 2003, South Carolina granted an official pardon to Brown. Mm. Like, I don't know why. And the following year, he was arrested for... And then then literally after the pardon, he was arrested for domestic violence against his fourth wife, Tommy Ray. Um, But he always denied. Always, always denied. Damn. And this might be a reason why he has an issue with women in an interview with the guardian his chauffeur james talked about his sex life talks about james brown's sex life Mm. saying that his chauffeur would pick up several women from the airport in a day to take them to sleep with james in the same interview he said that allegedly james didn't do so well in the bedroom and girls would make fun of his manhood saying that he had a pencil dick (sighs) and not a pencil wait who said pencil dick is that well, I put pencil dick in there, oh. but like, but but <laughs> oh they said God, they had a small like... dick. He's like, they had a small dingling. They made fun. Yeah, that's so fucked. He had six kids at first. He thought he had six kids. He had six kids <laughs> that he course. knew of, and when he died, more came forward to demand part of his estate. Paternity tests were done, and this three guy. more kids were confirmed. That's Tommy Ray and him. I know. Ew, he's like not cute, dude. <laughs> I don't think. I mean, oh my I god, he he's, he's not young. cute at all. Also, it's like, yeah, no shit. He has a small dick. Look at him. <laughs> he's five six. He doesn't yeah. look like he'd <laughs> lay down. Like, yeah, he doesn't look like he could. So, moving on to his Ew, his later life and like he's disturbing on his way to on his way. He looks like he has dentures too. I he does. Go okay, well that's creepy and weird. I mean, when there's like only one picture I could find where he's like really cute, <laughs> like and that's like when he was like twenty or like. 17 a child do what yeah so his fourth wife that you just looked up tommy ray his wife of nine years spoke about his declining health during his final years yeah girl i can't i'm sorry he's just like really not cute (laughs) so he suffered from arthritis and tommy ray would massage his legs to alleviate the pain so this is kind of fucking funny attempting a split on stage led brown to spend the following day in bed Oh, what a loser. <laughs> what a loser. <laughs> Dude, that's so fucked. He also had diabetes. Mm-hmm. And she was responsible for managing his medication, right? Mm. He would constantly talk about how he despised the process of growing old and resorted to using Viagra. Yes, yes, I guess to help his performance of some joint. This is interesting. And a couple of months before his death, he was high during an interview, which is always fun. Oh, yeah. I've seen that one interview. Not with the lady on CNN. Yeah, where he's like, yeah. Living in America. Yeah. There's nothing wrong. That's my favorite interview. But it's not this. That's not that one. This is another one. He was speaking in Yiddish slang and turned the conversation to death. You're going to like this. He said that he could look at someone's face and tell if they were about to die. And he said when people die, their soul exits via supernatural phalanxolence. 
(laughs) (laughs) Could you imagine being that interviewer? Uh Uh-huh. Robert? That's so weird. A week before his death in December 2006, he went to the dentist and was gravely ill and was rushed to the hospital. He was there for a week and died at the age of 73. The official cause of death was a heart attack and fluid in his lungs, but CNN highlighted an investigation that doubted those claims. Mm. The doctor who signed the death certificate claimed he saw the son-in-law screaming in the hospital that they killed him. They killed him! They killed him! James's friend, Andre White, said that the nurse told him that there was an unknown person who visited James in the hospital right before his vitals dropped, and allegedly there was a drug residue in his breathing tube. Oh, wow. Many family members have called for an autopsy, except for one daughter, Yama Brown, who said, I don't need an autopsy. I'm his daughter. I have his blood, which I don't know what her point is there. I literally don't She's know. She's like, I smelt those flashy lens. Or whatever. Like, I put the drugs in, it, in the tube. She's literally like, what? Uh, yeah. Okay. And according to his widow, Tommy, who you love, to figure out the paternity of her son, James II, James's legs, this is after his death, James's legs had to be cut off to extract bone marrow since the embalming process tainted other forms of his DNA. So they had to go in there in his body and cut. Emba- is that what you do for a funeral? What's the embalming? Embalming is to preserve... Oh, like this it's like they put a bunch of like chemicals in you to like make you look like you're alive dude why do we do that also it's sick dude that is so it's so gross sick. and weird that we do that isn't it gross that like our bodies would rot if we weren't inside of them <laughs> like running this shit yes it's disgusting during the first six months of his passing his body got relocated 14 times amid the family fighting over his fortune. Sure, yeah. The last known place of his body is in a crypt in his daughter's, Deanna's backyard. A crypt? Yeah, like a, a tomb. Ew, dude, why would you want it in, in your backyard? So, the yeah, that's the last known place in 2010. His other daughter claimed that his body had disappeared, possibly in an attempt to conceal the truth behind his death. But Deanna denied this, but when CNN investigated it, their two lawyers had conflicting info. One saying the body's whereabouts are confidential and the other one saying it's in the backyard. Hmm. Weird. Yeah. Lastly, a lot of family and friends of his believe that he was murked. Yes! Potentially due to money-related reasons. Yes. Over a decade after his death, his estate remained unsettled. According to the New York Times, underprivileged children in Georgia and South Carolina were supposed to be the major... beneficiaries of the estate. Numerous lawsuits were filed. His wife, Tommy Ray, was accused by his family of making questionable deals involving the copyrights of his music. Oh, man, I don't know. There were legal disputes questioning the validity of Tommy Ray's marriage to James. Lawsuits ranged from contesting the will to seeking recognition as a legitimate son and heir. I'm hungry. Concerns were raised that James's drug use impaired his ability to make proper decisions regarding the estate. But I'm like, that's literally his problem. Yeah. The situation resulted in a loss for both the intended beneficiaries and James's family, which is sad. Mm-hmm. Alan Lees, James's former tour manager, expressed sympathy for everyone involved, highlighting that the intended benefits for the community and the family were jeopardized. So that's our king. Woo! So that's our that's our that's our king James. I mean, he's He's not perfect, okay? He's just he's kidding. he's just a man. I'm just kidding. He's just a man trying to figure it out. 
He's lost, okay? Any closing thoughts? Not really. He kind of looks like a puppet that you would put on, like, one of the classic puppets that people put on their leg that look, like, you know what I mean? Like, the old style ones. Oh, my God. Like, the marionette? Marionette. Not right in the head. He probably had a mental fucking illness. Also, dude, who knows what happened in jail? I know. He spent a lot of time there for him to, like, have a 15 to 18. But that that would have been Juvenile Hall, which I feel like is No, that was first, and then when he was older. Yeah, but I want to believe Juvie's a little less fucked than prison. Just because they're younger. Imagine I want to be in jail with, like, 50-year-olds. Anyway, guys, I don't know. We'll see y'all next week. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Nigga.